Blog Talk Radio. Good morning and welcome to the Nurtured Heart Approach October podcast. I'm Katherine Stafford. I'm a licensed clinical social worker in private practice here in Washington State, and I'm also a, a Nurtured Heart Approach advanced trainer, counselor, and author. I'm co-hosting today with my friend Howard Glasser. Howie's joining us from Tucson, Arizona. He is the creator of the Nurtured Heart Approach, and he is chairman of the Children's Success Foundation. Good morning, Howie. Hi, Catherine. So happy to be here with you. You sound loud and clear. Thank you. Nice to be on this call. How are you? I'm great. It's nice to be alive on this beautiful overcast day in Tucson, which doesn't happen very often. All right. I'm glad. I'm glad that you're here. Thanks for joining us. Um, thanks for taking the time, Howie, as always. I was thinking Thank about you. this morning, Howie, and I, you know, historically we started with that short summary of the approach, but I, I was contemplating the fact that we're rounding a year of our podcast, and so I'm hoping that we've had some repeat listeners. I'm hoping that we've inspired some of our listeners to kind of seek that greater depth of understanding, and I'm wondering if you want to take a couple of minutes to talk about rather than the summary of the approach, but the Tucson training coming up in January and what an amazing opportunity that is? You, you know, I could, I'd could, i be happy to. Um, you know, it's it's funny. Uh, I'm going to say a one-sentence version of the approach is, is um, lately I've been um, thinking it as a way to um, help kids discover who they really are. You mm-hmm. know, for a while I was saying it's a way of awakening greatness in children, uh, I used to describe it a million different ways, but I I love the notion that we're helping the nurture heart approach is about helping kids uh, find out who they really are because so mm-hmm. many kids think they're this that and the other thing that's not necessarily positive. Um, so the training in Tucson is a five day uh, certification training. It's an immersion into the heart and. And and pulse of of the nurtured heart approach from a very important underlying angles to understand it at its core and to live it at its core and to be able to teach it. You know, mm-hmm. there are people on this call who may want to be officially anointed as um, those growing number of people who can get out there in the world and and formally share um, what this approach uh, hopefully means to you at this point in time, you know, what's brought you to uh, this podcast. And uh, this particular training in Tucson in late January, I believe it's the, um, it starts, I believe it starts on the 20th. I'm going to take a quick glance at my calendar. Uh, It's, I believe it starts on January nineteenth. Um, uh, okay. And 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 the weekend following the training um, is the marked by the global summit in Tucson, mm-hmm. where people come in from all over the world and and around the country and present on how this approach has worked its way into different realms of of uh interest and function uh like like the topic we have today and Fantastic. Uh, which I'm very excited about and and this particular training is marked by 
um, a, a gala uh, um, uh, on uh, Friday. <clears throat> on Friday the sixth, the uh, Friday the twenty third okay. of January, and um, my dear inspiring friend, Dr. Peter Bregan, a Harvard um, psychiatrist, is is going to uh, be giving a keynote. Um, he he's, he embodies the nurtured heart approach. He, but he, and he's also the world's foremost expert on why medications are uh, should be a last resort and why they uh, don't serve kids. Mm-hmm. And you know, as you know, so many of the kids who wind up symptomatic because things aren't going well wind up um, wind up being recommended to be on medication. So he is uh, a very brilliant person on that subject, and he'll be speaking at the Global Summit as well. And we're also going to have a live band, and it's wow. going to be a blowout fun time um, that, uh, that will uh, be just a, um, a, a marker for the year. Of, of the joy of people coming together and, and and living this approach. I love that. I know. I know. You know. I'm trying to make it down there, and I guess I would encourage callers if you really want to attend. I, you know, I, set the intention. I, it, it happens. It, somehow, it just comes together. I so know you are, Catherine. Yeah. Yeah. I love. I love. I'm going to go back really quick before we introduce our guest to your new idea of awakening kids to who they really are. I love that notion, and what I've been adding lately too is who they really are as they are. That idea of, you know, we're not trying to change you, that intensity, that whatever it is that's quirky you, whether it's intensity or quirkiness or whatever, that's what I want kids to love. Not some different version of themselves, but them stepping into that in a really, in a powerful ownership way. So thanks for putting yeah. that out there. And then, they, and then they have uh, beautiful narratives around their quirkiness. Mm-hmm. They don't, uh, you know, I now, na- I now have wonderful narratives around my Mm-hmm. Uh, introvertedness and mm-hmm. uh, about my quirkiness, as opposed to for years I carried the weight of of so many uh, you know other stories. Right. Um, so it's it's fun to discover who we really are. You're so right, right about that. It doesn't Let's introduce our guest, Howie. Core, it just helps you discover it. So right. uh, on that note, yes. Let's go ahead and introduce our guest. Before I do that, really quickly, I want to thank anybody who's listening for their time today and other people who listen in later. We really appreciate your time and your interest, and we hope this show resonates with you really and inspires you. Our topic today, which I'm really excited about, is grandparenting with the Nurtured Heart Approach. We have two very accomplished and dynamic women, both Nurtured Heart grandmothers, as our guests. Um, these grandmothers, to me, Howie, I have to say, break all the images of what many of us think a grandma would be. So I'm really excited to talk to them. Our first guest is Gail Anderson. Gail holds a master's in religion and counseling. She's got a Ph.D. in educational psychology. She's an advanced trainer in the approach. She's worked for 20 years as a school psychologist, and I understand just took early retirement this last year. She's currently teaching and training Nurtured Heart in the school, the home, the church setting. She's a certified nonviolent crisis intervention trainer and a pyramid trainer, and I'm not sure what that is. She's married, has been married for 37 years, has two very accomplished grown sons. She has one son who's got three children, age five, four, and two, who live two miles from Gail and her husband, so they're very much involved in the grandparenting role. Welcome, Gail, and good morning. Good morning. It's great to be Thanks here. Thanks for joining us. 
I'm so excited to hear your stories. Our second guest is Laura Bailey. Laura is an LMFT, Licensed Marriage and Family Therapist. She's an advanced trainer of the Nurture Heart Approach. The focus of Laura's amazing work is children in foster care. She says, finding many simple ways to improve the quality of traumatized children's lives and giving them hope. She was inspired to write the book, Courageous Love, Instructions for Creating Healing Circles for Children of Trauma, especially for grandparents raising grandchildren. Welcome, Laura. I'm so glad you're on today. Thank you. I feel honored to be here with you guys. It's, uh, I'm up in Portland, Oregon, so I'm feeling the cloudiness oh. that, that Howard has got in Tucson, and it's just great to you know, feel the sunshine coming over the um, airwaves just by way of this conversation. So I'm just really happy to be here with you. I'm so glad to have both of you. I think you're both amazingly accomplished Nurtured Heart trainers, and I also think that you're both clearly amazing grandmothers. So I'm, I want to talk about that because when I think of the role of grandparent, I really think there's so much power in that relationship, and I really see it pivotal. You know, I get people in my office who struggle with the grandparents in their world, whether it's their old school of, you know, whatever, old school parenting, and how do we integrate nurture heart approach, or they're kind of of that mindset of love them and give them back to their parents at the end of the night. And so I'm curious if you guys could start off by just talking about how have you have Nurtured Heart trainers stepped into this role of grandparenting? Well, I can start. This is Gail. And um, about a year ago, my daughter-in-law, so I I have a son and a daughter-in-law who are the parents of my three grandkids, so you have to be a little careful being the Mm -hmm. mother-in-law. And um, my daughter-in-law called and was upset about something one of her kids had done and asked for some advice. And I said, well, actually, the, only, the best advice I can give you is I'm starting a parenting class tomorrow, and would you guys like to come? And my husband was in the background saying, and I could babysit for the three kids. So <laughs> it was actually just this wonderful opportunity for them to come and um, learn Nurtured Hearts. So that would I, I feel like it was such a gift to all of us so that mm-hmm. the conversation could start and they really loved the class and loved sharing. They have their oldest son was a preemie who has a lot of intensity. So he's a very challenging child. Mm-hmm. How long would, ago was that, Gail? It was about they took the class about a year ago. So How long um, have you been trained? How long have you been doing nursing heart approach? Since about two thousand seven. So it sounds like you were really respectful of kind of waiting for them to come to you and say, please share with us your wisdom versus kind of proactive. Yeah, I had saying, given them This is what the you book. need to do. They yeah. had had the book, and they had talked to me a little, but they were also living in Chicago for a while. So once mm-hmm. they were closer, we had a lot more time mm-hmm. to talk. And once they had three kids under five, they needed mm-hmm. more support. Were they, <laughs> but they're great. You know, were, they, were they enjoying the way you interacted with their kids, the, the 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 nature of uh, how you uh, saw them and expressed yourself and um, yes, and they did, work. and I think they also knew that I um, helped them fight the tendency to see pathology because they had already mm-hmm. heard, oh, he's so impulsive, wow, he doesn't pay attention. And even mm-hmm. in, he was in the NICU for six weeks uh, as a preemie and had heard my son's a uh, family practice doc, and so mm-hmm. he got lots of info from the pediatricians who said mm-hmm. a lot of times these preemies turn out to be ADHD. So they right. had that in their minds from birth. Mm-hmm. And, Heads up, um, this is your destiny, perhaps, yeah. That's right. So yeah. I have had to really su- support them in not going down that road, and they've yeah, been really receptive. Wait. 
and just to set, since this is a mainframe of your world now, is do you interact with your son and daughter-in-law in a nurtured heart kind of way? Or oh, do yeah. they roll their eyes and go, oh, my God, here comes No, they've grandma. been really wonderfully respectful to me because I had to say early on, actually, as a school psych, what I do is look at ADHD questions since that was the biggest referral mm-hmm. question. And they listened. And it's been hard for them. I think um, they got a lot of pressure, especially during this start of the kindergarten year, they've had a lot of pressure. And so mm-hmm. I'm really proud of them for being so... They're like warriors now for their son, and mm-hmm. I'm just thrilled to see it. And so a lot of my role has actually been to support them. I think that's probably the most important grandparent role for me this year is to be the coach and cheerleader for the parents. Yeah. So that's that's kind of where we are, and it's a very tricky role because, like I told you before the show started, my grandson is in the school that I worked at, so mm-hmm. I know all the people really well. So it's been kind of a vulnerable feeling for me. Mm-hmm. But actually, Brene Brown says that's the birthplace of creativity is being vulnerable. So I'm, I'm there. There you go. <laughs> Embracing it. You get, to, you get to you get to use the jet fuel of any change. Yep. Uh, yep. That comes mm-hmm. up, and I know yep. that's a very important um, piece for you. Yep, it is. Lots How about you, Laura? I'm I'm sorry to interrupt you, Howie. I oh, know you go. Please. I was just going to ask Laura. I know Laura, you're you're patiently waiting. I'm wondering if you could speak a little bit about how you stepped <laughs> in this role. I watch your Facebook of your beautiful grandbaby girls. I think two girls, right? Tell us about yeah, that. Yeah, one more on the way. Yeah. Wow. Well, I'll tell you what. I loved being a mom, but I wasn't prepared for how much I would love being a grandma. It's just a whole new level of thrills, love, excitement. Um, and I'm jealous of Gail because my granddaughters live in Michigan. I live in California, so mm. I don't get to see them every week, you know, mm-hmm. like I would like to or mm-hmm. every day or whatever. But um, it's it's really an amazing way to watch them grow up because um, you are – I see them every maybe two to three months. I think four months is the longest I've been where I haven't seen them. But you get to see their development in completely different ways because you pop mm-hmm. in and pop out. Mm-hmm. And um, one of the things I I was hearing Gail talk about, you know, coaching the parents, and one of the things that I found out pretty quickly was that uh, with my granddaughters, the oldest one is just three and a half, so it's not like I'm going through the hard teen years or anything like that. Um, it's very easy to do nurtured heart approach with infants and toddlers, at least for me because that's my favorite stage. But what I found really quickly was that who really needed me to use the nurtured heart approach on them was my daughter mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. as she parented because she didn't have the confidence of, you know, being a good enough mom. She's mm-hmm. uh, introverted. She's a perfectionist and when you're uh, raising kids, it's just no time for perfection because it's not possible. <laughs> right. And so I really felt like, for me, what has stood out in my grandparenting role to date is uh, using the nurtured heart approach on my daughter, um, mm-hmm. number one, and, you know, on my son-in-law, and just encouraging them that what awesome parents they are. Mm-hmm. So I, it makes me a little emotional just thinking about it because... Mm-hmm. 
um, remembering when I was a young mom, and of course, I'm very extroverted. I have no trouble talking endlessly. And I called my mom continuously, Mom, what do I do? What do I do? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, my daughter doesn't do that because I think she kind of thinks she should know, or maybe she goes and looks on Pinterest. So the biggest <laughs> way that, <laughs> that I feel that I'm able to really impact her is by how well I use the approach on her. And, she, you know, she knows the approach because I um, got trained in it in 2008. And so have, she's kind of gone along the ride with me. And she lived in California at that time for a few years. So um, she's read the books. And when I am with the girls and I will, you know, give in to their requests when they're using negative behavior, she'll be like, Mom, Mom, you are energizing negativity right there. Do not give her that. <laughs> so she keeps doing that. Yeah. So that thrills uh, me because what it tells me is that she knows the approach and she's using it and she's watching, you know, for her own opportunities and how she's using her energy and she's just really aware of that. Um, but the other side of it for me that I, I want to talk about a little bit is um, – all the kids, I have 12 boys in two group homes. I'm the clinical case manager for them. And um, since I've been there, at least a third of the boys have grandparents either actively involved in their lives or they came to the foster home from the grandparents' home. And so I still, in some cases, get to work with the grandparents and occasionally, you know, reunite them back with the family, sometimes but being grandparents. And that's a whole different arena of mm-hmm. using the nurture heart approach. Mm-hmm. And um, for grandparents who are raising their grandchildren, or even like in Gail's case where you're not raising them, but you're very involved in their lives on a daily basis, what a fantastic, fantastic opportunity that you have to really mold a life. But one of the things, one of the challenges um, that I have found in working with some of the grandparents is that, you know, we all grew up with a certain type of parenting from our parents and then to our kids, and and it's what we're used to. It's how we're kind of programmed at this point. And so getting past that um, idea that, well, they should obey because I said so, and if they don't, they deserve what I'm about to do, you know, <laughs> or that, you know, I have to raise my voice to get their attention, those kind of um, ideas that because that's how it's always been in our world. And so trying to help them understand how very different it is growing up in today's world, which is so Mm. much more stressful, and helping them understand the impact of trauma on these kids and why it is that they desperately need this different approach. And so that's kind of my focus is helping people understand why we need such a, you know, beautiful, radical approach with the kids and just to because I know I need to stop talking at some point and let you guys pitch in too, but one of the things that um, I want to share from work in the group home, because I do a lot of training with the parents, but also with the staff that works with the kids. And yesterday we had a staff meeting, and we had about 15 or so staff there, and we were we watched um, Howard's 
podcast or no the video on stand two and uh, so we were just sitting around talking about how we've watched these boys change as we've been using um, opportunities to energize what's amazing about them and some of them are just so not used to hearing anything good that they shy away from it at first but then pretty soon you start hearing them tell other people about themselves um, you know and you hear your own words coming out of their mouth, um, mm. just ver- verbatim almost. And so we really are feeding into them their new image of who they are. But the staff that they were talking about working with the boys um, came up with this idea about the side effects of using Nurture Heart Approach on the kids. And I jotted some of them down. I'm just going to share two of them with you because I know that you'll you'll resonate with this and you'll love it. But the biggest side effect of using their heart approach and really becoming the approach is that you become a better person. And so one of the guys was saying, and he was he grew up in Gangsterville, you know, mm-hmm. hardcore, and um, he said the biggest side effect is that I have become a better man. And another staff shared that in moments when I'm having a hard day and I feel like a failure, I've started actually... Um, using the nurtured heart approach on myself and he hasn't even heard of you know the book you are oprah he just Mm. realized he needed it as much as the kids did on some days so anyway yeah i think you're i think you're on to your next book you know (laughs) i'm doing a talk at the summit on reset and uh, you know once i set that framework of like interesting kinds of reset Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they just roll in. Uh, you're gonna, you're gonna keep that list growing because you know they're the side. Uh, maybe we'll get Gail and Catherine involved in this conversation on on the side effects that come through this and and um, grandparent and related to grandparenting. But you know, a side yeah. effect is also you're vulnerable because you know mm-hmm. some of your old gang friends are gonna fall away. And um, you know yes. you're gonna you, you know all kinds of side effects. There there are hundreds of them. I think um, you know. So so mark my words. That's a possible book for you, or just a talk you can <laughs> mm-hmm. do at a summit someday. <laughs> I um, love it. I love it. And that I was actually a I love that framework. Point. I love the mm-hmm. framework. Thank you for sharing that. I just yeah, wanted I to say something. You, oh, go ahead, Laura. I just, Laura, I was thinking about grandparenting from afar because I just Uh taught the pyramid class that I teach is like PBIS for preschool teachers, and Mm. the first unit is on relationships, and I had to ask one of the canned questions they have is, what was one significant person in your life, and why, and what did they do for you? And 85% of the teachers who were there said grandparents and they weren't they weren't close necessarily and and the Mm -hmm. things they said were like they always saw the best in me they thought I was Mm -hmm. special they let Mm -hmm. me create and try things out it was just I said thank you for saying all those things to a grandmother (laughs) that was so cute (laughs) yes but it was just it was really amazing how you know how um, significant there was what there was once a little section of the of the like a feature section of the local paper that had ten stories of kids who had risen out of the ashes of gang stuff, and and they all said so. The single thing that turned them around was somebody believed in them. And and mm-hmm. what you're saying is really essentially 
Um, yep. Somebody yep. believed in me. Yes. Right. Right. Yeah. It's a great for special with grandparents. Right. It is. Right. It's such a unique and powerful relationship. And one of the things I was tuning into, Laura, as you were talking, oh, that's a horrible noise. I don't know what that came from. Um, one of the things I was tuning into, Laura, as you mentioned the word trauma, and I'm think, I was thinking about that this morning as I was driving my kids to school and thinking about, yes, we're talking about traumatized kids, but if we're talking about their grandparents, we're also talking about traumatized adults because something mm-hmm. has happened with their own child that now they're in the position of raising their grandchildren. So I wonder if you could talk a little bit about how you both have experienced that, whether it's in a class or the kids that you work with. How do you support top-down by empowering these grandparents, now parents, when they're dealing with their own trauma and loss, potentially? Well, and you also have to realize that as the grandparent, oftentimes you're in the role of parenting, but you don't have the authority, and you may not have it ultimately for very long. So you're right. when you're, we're talking about vulnerability, you're super vulnerable because, mm-hmm. like, for me, I my kids will call me when something goes wrong in kindergarten, but they don't think necessarily to call me when it's been a great day, and I don't call them and ask because I don't want to be all about the problem. But you're, you're vulnerable in lots of different ways that you don't expect, I think, as a grandparent. Mm-hmm. And, and that's challenging. Mm-hmm. Well, and you're vulnerable to the stresses in your in your kids' lives, you know. Right. Um, and yet you can't. You, you have no control over whether your that's right. Your daughter-in-law, you know, adores you or or, or repents right. you. You have no, yep. con, you know, and and then how does that play out on the relationship with your son? Yeah, it's it it's trickier, and there are boundary issues that I didn't anticipate, like around school. The school's really not allowed to talk to me, so my own friends aren't really allowed to talk to me about Mm. my Mm. grandson, which is a good thing, but it's very (laughs) awkward. And Mm -hmm. so those kind of sort of renegotiating boundaries again has been interesting for us this year. Mm -hmm. Do you find that you're doing classes at the churches and and the locations where you are, Gail, that you're finding grandparents are coming in more than you expected them to be sitting in your classroom? I think I see it more, they're not necessarily coming to classes. I see them being really important in kind of what Laura was talking about, supporting the parents mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. sort of parents thinking they wish they had more support from people. And I've been thinking more about it takes a village to raise a child because mm-hmm. it's really a hard time to parent. And so it's a really important role. The other thing I was One thinking, the- oh, go ahead. One of the other things about um, you were talking about coaching the parents, one of the things that we learned when while coaching staff that work with foster kids is that um, you have to be really careful that you don't get in a situation where, you know, the parents feel like they're competing with you for the love and attention of the kids because that's a fear that a lot of parents have, that they're going to go to grandma's house, they're not going to want to come back home, they're going to want to be with her and not me. And um, especially when you have parents that are marginalized, they're having serious problems in their life. And so um, always bearing in mind that you're not trying to um, be number one with the kid, you're trying to support a really important relationship for the child, which is with their parents. And mm-hmm. so I think that in some cases where you have um, 
a parent that are having a lot of difficulties, it forces you to use the nurture her approach at a whole new level. Mm-hmm. And it can be um, challenging to manage that um, mm-hmm. relational factor. But I think it's really, really important that you really focus mostly on supporting the relationship between the child and the parent, but, but mm-hmm. still being that special grandmother that, you know, like you said, and I agree my own grandmother was like that, that even though in my early years she didn't live near us, the memories that I have of her have mm-hmm. hugely impacted my life. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. the fact that she she would allow us to come in her house and work on some big art project and make an absolute disaster yep. mess of her kitchen <laughs> and not get upset or stressed out about it. You know, grandmas are just, and grandfathers too, you know, yep. grandfathers will do things with kids that their dads don't have time to do or don't even know how to do. And um, it, it's a very sacred relationship, and I've had the same experience in every group where I've asked that question, mm-hmm. who is the most important person? The yep. majority of people will say my grandparent or my grandparent. One suggestion we've we've just started doing with our older two, so there's five and four, is having one-on-one overnights so that we can just dote on them and one at a time because otherwise it's pretty wild at their age. And I was thinking of the – it's just such a gift because you don't have to focus on – doing anything else because you're going to have a day without them soon, but you can just be in the now with them and mm-hmm. notice mm-hmm. everything that's going on great. It's like amazing, yeah. really, for me. And I'm not thinking about them changing. As a parent, I think I had a lot more fear about what the future and the past. And as a grandparent, I can just enjoy them and play, and it's just really fun. Can I ask you both yeah. a question? Um, uh, what's occurring to me is it, it's kind of a parallel um, some of the educators I've met who uh, feel like once they get the um, get the uh, excitement of the approach and they see the potential of of how it realizes um, they get excited almost about the prospect of yet another challenging child coming their way you know, in in subsequent days, months, years, and and maybe even a kid who's even more of a doozy and mm-hmm. um, in terms of intensity. And in, and from that point of view, you know, I think I heard this a little bit in what both uh, Laura and Gail have said, is is uh, it, it, it occurs to me that it gives some um, grandparents a chance, a second chance. Mm-hmm. It gives them a second chance yes. to you know, a rise to the occasion, um, you know, learning this, you know, I, 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 I'd i be very curious if some of the grandparents you've worked with have had, like, massive ahas and go, oh, my God, you know, I, uh, you know, and, and, you know, maybe felt some shame and guilt, but also got through that and couldn't wait to talk to their own kids in a new way and, and certainly contribute to the Emerging lives of the grandparents in certain way, but they get they get like inspired to you know. It's, I think this is a way of um, of changing who we are, who we yep. are, mm-hmm. um, yes. by delivering the message, the expressions of our hearts that we do. And and um, you know, I'd be curious what you've seen transformational in terms of 
of the grandparents themselves on that note? Well, I can just say from my own life that one of my biggest issues raising one of my kids was dealing with a lot of fear over his behavior and emotional life. So I feel like one of the ways that my son and daughter-in-law don't, one way I can communicate passion about nurtured heart is by saying, I just wish I had done it a little differently Mm -hmm. with this child because a lot of my relationship with him revolved around fear and, you know, how was your day was, so I've Mm -hmm. kind of been able to tell them, you don't want to do it like I did because Mm -hmm. it, it wasn't good and I don't feel bad about it. I didn't know. And I just love that they can, they don't connect school with, when he gets home, they're not asking, were you good today? They're just enjoying him and saying, I'm so glad to see mm-hmm. you. And So they could hear that message from me. Because Have you seen in other people, Gail, um, like uh, like other grandparents, ahas, of, uh, and, and kind of wanting to go back and, and um, kind of transform? I think it's hard. Yeah, I have. And I think the hard part is um, sort of wishing we could do it over. And I've seen that in a lot of grandparents wishing I had known this earlier and, you know, encouraging them not to feel that regret because mm-hmm. it it's gone. But, but can they get past that and start, you know, working yeah. with their own kids and their grandkids in that, yep. in that new way? Yeah. And I think does, just does saying... Does that feel good to them? Does that, yes. you know, old school, seeing old school, like Laura said, old school uh, beliefs about parenting shift to to this uh, new way of looking at the world. Yeah, I think people can. And mm. know that you go forward in the now and not worry about the past. One of the things I found, Howie, thinking about you, I've, I had a grandparent couple that I was working with, and it seems like with the, the aging process, there's that wisdom of reflection because we don't have that mm-hmm. as new parents. But when we've been through the process and we're farther removed, there's a reflection, there's a wisdom that comes where I, I have found there's almost that, oh, now I see what I didn't see then, and now I feel the difference. So there's yes. that openness mm-hmm. to it. Yeah, well, I, I, think getting, I think... No, I just was going to say, you get perspective as you get older and right. realize that you didn't need to worry about that report card or whatever right. little things as a parent you worry about. And as a grandparent, I just think, you, you know, he's not going to be biting people in five years, so don't right. worry about it. Right. Ah. And that's that's not something you can learn on Pinterest. So right, right. <laughs> our kids, our kids will get wise when they get wise. <laughs> but one of the things I wanted to say, uh, two things quickly, in answer to your question about uh, grandparents' aha moments, because I work mainly with uh, parents and grandparents who have extremely difficult children, mm-hmm. um, and. They're sitting in class, and I love that moment when one day they say, they slap their forehead, and they're like, Mm -hmm. oh, my word, I get it. All of a Mm -hmm. sudden, I get it. It's not about me controlling the kid. I have Mm -hmm. to control me. Mm -hmm. And and truly, that, that is exactly what it is, that we are, instead of trying to control our children and how they express their emotions and needs and enthusiasm in life, we are learning to control our own energy and how we use it to truly love a child and um, birth them into their full potential. I mean, they're in the world now, but how are we going to birth them 
now into their full potential and this way of telling them how beautiful and amazing they are and how much we love them, it it does that. The other thing that I wanted to say, because you were talking, Howard, about, you know, having a second chance as a grandparent, that's been huge for me. Because even though mm-hmm. my kids, my uh, grandchildren are long distance, um, I raised my kids as a single mom. I became single when my daughter was an infant herself. And so, and I was single until they were in high school. So I look back and most of my memories are rushing here, rushing there, way too much to do, not enough money to pay all the bills. So there was a lot of stress and a lot of rushing around, um, working, you know, two jobs or something like that, daycare and all that stuff. So I missed a lot of the first, you know, I missed the first step and the first bike ride and the first words and things like that. And it was really heartbreaking for me because I wanted to be a stay-at-home mom and didn't get that chance. And so with my granddaughters, I feel like I have this amazing moment. It's been especially powerful with my oldest granddaughter who looks so much like my daughter Mm. to, like, go back and have that time that I wanted with my kids that someone else Mm. got it. Um, It's been huge. Mm, That's a beautiful story. And I just wanted to say that light bulb example, I I see that same thing come all the time in parenting classes, so I'm not sure it's Mm -hmm. that different from parents to grandparents and realizing, oh, gosh, this is what I want to do. Because I've had young parents say, well, I couldn't have said this to my parents and, you know, just wonder why they can't control their kids. So I think that's (laughs) not that different. Mm -hmm. Mm. How do you guys, I I have, oh, go ahead, Howie. No, you please, Catherine. That's okay. I was just going to say one of the things that I struggle with a lot, or see families struggling with, depending on who's showing up in my office or classes, that cross-generational investment mm-hmm. in nurtured heart approach, and how do they push through that? Um, do you find that comes up a lot, where either the parents are invested and the grandparents are resistant, or vice versa? And how do you kind of help families get over that? Well, well I think. To... Go ahead. Go ahead. I'll be really quick and give Gail a chance to talk too, but I think back to the most powerful way to teach the nurtured heart approach is to use it on somebody and when they feel it and they get it, they become more open to hearing about it and then they get the difference between the experience of being, you know, looked down on, yelled at, criticized, um, lectured to and all that and being seen as someone who's amazing and capable. And it's easier for them to accept it when they when they feel it mm-hmm. themselves, and that goes back to use it on the parents first if they're resistant to it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I was thinking the same thing. It's even if another spouse isn't doing it, you know, or a teacher, mm-hmm. you always worry about when the kid's not with you. And and we live in a world that's so full of comparisons and all sorts of things that I just focus on teaching whoever is available kind of to mm-hmm. nurture and then nurture the other people in your life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is there a single I, most challenging piece of uh, of um, particular to working with grandparents that either of you have uh, experienced? Yes. Um, not Once you get past the resistance to change, there's so much old wounds and 
really hard set patterns for some people and belief systems that even though in listening to, you know, the Nurture Heart Approach and experiencing it and wanting to do it, they go home and at the end of the day they still have their wounded heart and their entrenched mm-hmm. habits and overcoming mm-hmm. those I've seen as the the biggest obstacle to them. It's not that they don't want to, but it just doesn't come naturally. And you can teach old dog new tricks, old dogs new tricks, but it takes longer. So I think mm-hmm. you just need more, a lot more time with them. Yeah. And yeah. and they're getting a lot of pressure to do something. Like, what's the consequence? And, you know, if the child does something and they, other people really want them to be punished if they're mm-hmm. yes. challenging kids. And so you really have to be strong to withstand that. And it's hard for a lot of people. Yeah. I think as a nurture heart grandmother, that's what I want to do the most for my kids is just say, you're doing great, be a warrior, mm-hmm. believe in your, mm-hmm. you know, in your mm-hmm. kids. Right. Because at the end of the day, those grandkids are living with their parents and you, you want them to feel empowered. You don't mm-hmm. want yep. them to feel undermined or, or, right. or sideswiped or whatever yep. the word is. Yep. I think another big challenge is that I have worked with a lot of people who seem to have an addiction to drama through sarcasm. Mm-hmm. And sarcasm is very counter to the nurtured heart approach. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's pretty prevalent in this world, isn't it, Laura? Mm-hmm. It is. <laughs> um, Sadly. Uh, Frequently amazed, you know, I'll go out whenever I can carve out a couple of hours, I'll run out to the golf course and try and squeeze in, you know, a, you know, some practice or nine holes. And, and um, even among people who barely know each other, it's a style of interacting. But, yes. but you know, often the case is I'll get paired up with, you know, people who are friends and, um, or, or family you know, and and the um, it it's it, it's kind of mind blowing at times how you know, especially guys. I don't know how it is for women as much, but you know, um, you know, the, maybe it's also they're out on the golf course. They have a little uh, freedom, um, and and you know, uh, they're the the so often the style, the overriding style of interaction. Is that sarcasm? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sure thinking about the grandparents. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking about grandparents and, and seniors in my life too, and the idea that as people age, sometimes their social filter kind of turns down a little bit towards turning off. You know, the older they get, they're more set in their opinions or whatever. <laughs> and so I love your observation that sarcasm and nurtured heart approach, you know, aren't necessarily conducive of supporting each other, but I think going back to the idea of looking at intention, so helping mm-hmm. parent, grandparents yeah. really hone in on what their intention is in that moment and how they can perhaps reflect that in a way that will be Well, and, and just that whole idea of fear, if you're disciplining and yeah. looking for compliance, that kids are responding out of fear, and what we really want is them to be secure in our love and respond out of love. And yeah. Parents, grandparents, everybody me. gets that. By so. golly, it worked on me. You know, I want to ask folks, right. uh, one, uh, if, you, if you allow me the, to indulge another question. Um, you know, I, I am really trying to hatch a perfect way of talking in the future to nurtured heart trainers about the role of truthfulness 
mm-hmm. and, um, and and how that goes with the nurtured heart approach. Because I have experienced in the last year, uh, you know, personally on a few occasions when people have said, "Oh, you're not using the nurtured heart approach," <laughs> as, if, <laughs> as, if, as if that was a crime. Right. Uh, punishable by law, <laughs> and, uh, and, and you know there is there is this realm of you know somebody's being sarcastic, for instance, and you say reset, and you choose not to give it energy, and you know you you know with somebody set in their ways, maybe you can do that right. all day long, but and maybe it comes up in grandparenting sometimes, both ways, going in each direction, mm-hmm. parent to grandparent, parent, grandparent to parent. But um, I, but it strikes me that there may come a time where one of the parties, uh, adult people, or even the kids, mm-hmm. you know how kids say the darndest things, will say <laughs> in truthfulness, they'll just, you know, not with an edge, not with giving negative energy. That's the tricky part. It's not giving negative energy. It's just bluntly saying, i got to just tell you my truth. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, mm-hmm. I don't like sarcasm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and I need you yeah, to know my, that because otherwise I can't spend time here. Right? Yep. Yeah, that's what my husband said to me. Uh, I don't know a few months ago, and I didn't even realize I was sarcastic. But then I started listening to myself and realized, you know, that I was actually using sarcasm too. I was on that train ride, mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. I've been trying to, you know, tell myself the truth. <laughs> what is your real message there? And I think to kind of go to that question of how do you tell the truth. You tell the truth in love, and if you can't tell the truth in love, then it's not your job to tell that person. Maybe let somebody do it who mm-hmm. can do it in love. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's that bell again. Howie, there's that <laughs> bell again. I've been trying to ignore it, but I don't think it's going to let us in much longer. <laughs> oh, Such a relevant conversation. I think we're all going to have this. Grandparents walking through our doors, becoming grandparents. You know, it Mm -hmm. seems in my world that more and more grandparents are able to or obliged to be really involved in their their grandchildren's lives. So it's such an important topic. Anything else, Howie, that you wanted to add before I go into my wrap-up? Summary and um, no, obligatory no. comments. Um, if your wrap up includes uh, any last comments from our guests, I would love that. Let's and, do that. Uh, so let's do that. Let's go ahead and take this last bell moment to just say thanks. Thanks for listeners for coming on today, and you are welcome to become followers of the Nurture Heart Approach channel on Blog Talk Radio. Follow on Twitter and Facebook. There's icons you can click on the channel page. Anyone joining for the first time or wanting a great first training, um, there's an invitation for a free e-course, and you can look for the details at childrensuccessfoundation.com. Um, those of you who are already living Nurture Heart Approach, be sure to check out that upcoming training intensive um, in Tucson in January. So, Gail and Laura, back to you. If you, two have some parting words of wisdom or some parting encouragement for people who are supporting grandparents in this role or are grandparents. Uh, well, I have one, the one, I have one oh. thought that just when um, we're living in, to me, it's such a competitive world, and parents have to struggle with how to raise their kids, and grandparents can be the ones who just look at their grandkids and think, you're great right now. You don't have to be the best, or you don't mm-hmm. have to be perfect, but right now I see your greatness in this way, in this way, in this way. And I think it's really helpful to know I love you just the way you are. You don't need mm-hmm. to change. There are no prerequisites for me. You're just great. And that's 
sort of the gift I think grandparents can give. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you so much, Gail. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, one thing that I want to say is that, um, you know, even the the best of us, those of us that have been training people in Nurture Heart Approach for years, we fail to use it sometimes. And I just want to say to anyone out there who <laughs> catches themselves failing to use it sometimes, you know, then use it on yourself in that moment and just say, mm-hmm. hey, you know what, I totally blew that one. But it's okay because I'm going to patch it up the best I can and I'm going to start all over again in the next moment and I'm going to reset myself to greatness. And and it's okay. You don't have to mm-hmm. feel discouraged and feel like a failure. Um, just get up, mm-hmm. brush yourself off, and keep going and give yourself that same um, opportunity to reset to mm-hmm. greatness that you give your children and your grandchildren. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Love Beautiful. That. That's yep. the inner version of truthfulness. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you both for coming on today, for your time, and for sharing your personal experiences as, as grandmothers and your wisdom you know, professionally. We're so, so honored that you guys shared some time with us today. Um, and thank you for just demonstrating what a beautiful role this grandparenting nurture heart style can be for families who are stepping into it. Next month, we're going to be sharing space on the air with the brilliant and passionate uh, duo of Julie Gilo and Sarah Howe. They're going to be guiding our discussion on nurture heart approach and adoption. So this will definitely be a not-to-be-missed broadcast. Again, thank you to the listeners and their commitment to learning more about nurture heart approach. We hope that you tune in next time for our, I think it's our one year next year, how or next month, Howie. That is One something year. to celebrate. I am it very is. excited. This has been a glorious series, and I am so pleased and thankful of how it's evolved, and this talk today reflects that. Thank you so much to our guests, Laura Montagna and um, and Laura, Laura Bailey. Laura <laughs> Bailey, yeah. And, and, or you um, can just... For so long. Another way, and Galen. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, ladies. Have a fantastic weekend. Yeah, thank you so Bye. much for having me. It was yep, my pleasure. Thank you. It was fun. Bye, all. See, see you next time. See you in Tucson. <laughs> right on. Yes, see you there. See you in Tucson. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye, Bye, everybody. Any stories shared in this broadcast are amalgams of experiences based on the use of the Nurtured Heart Approach by our hosts and our guests and are not based on any particular person, child, or adult.